0: That's, in the South, that's the way we get people's attention. It's good to see you tonight as we come together and worship. And we're just uh, thankful to the Lord for His uh, loving and blessing us and providing for us. We just uh, can't uh, thank Him enough. But we're going to stand together right now and greet one another in the name of the Lord, and then we'll begin our service, okay? You know there's not a formata down there. Somebody years ago decided that would be a great way to sing that song. So this time we'll put the I'll put the formata in and we won't jump ahead of it, okay? Send the Holy Spirit
1: now with me. That's almighty word. Oh
0: At the weather forecast. (laughs) And it's supposed to be raining for the next 12 days, I think. There shall be showers of blessings. 69 Revive us again. And how we need that revival in our lives. Lord, we just thank you so much for letting us be here tonight to uh, come for the sole purpose, Lord, of worshiping you. We just thank you, Lord, for the blessing that is uh, on our lives, that we can uh, worship in freedom, freedom here in this country. Worship, Lord, in freedom if we know you. And, Lord, we just ask that you would bless our time together tonight. Bless Brother Scott. Lord, love him and hide him behind the cross, Lord, as he brings a message tonight. I pray, God, that we would all be revived in our hearts and that we reach out and share Jesus with those around us. We thank you, we love you, we praise you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.
2: Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 will be our text for tonight. Mike, is kind of neat you picked those songs. I didn't know we were singing about revival tonight. I was just talking uh, to Scott Parkinson, the other Scott in town, and uh, the second one, I was the first. I keep reminding him of that. I was here first. But anyhow, Scott and I were talking, and he he's preaching a revival in a in a small country church somewhere down the road and I said, Man, I miss revivals He said, It's my first one. And I said, So we'll pray for you. So there you go. We we we've sung about revival. We'll pray for him. I I, I haven't preached of a revival since I've been here in five years and you know when you were that that's I don't Ben they don't do revivals like they used to. It's just kind of unique. I mean I feel like I preach a revival every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. I hope we're being revived as we position ourselves before the Word of God and I'll tell you there's a spirit that's being revived in our church right now as we read God's Word together. What a beautiful, beautiful opportunity it is and and it's a joy to read the Word of God with you and to walk through God's Scriptures and, and then be able to gather and talk about them and you know, kind of know where we're coming from, having read the text. It's like I said this morning, when you're when you're reading the same thing together, and the the music lines up with it, you you know what we're we're singing in relation to what we've been reading, and God just begins to knit it together in our hearts, and it's just a beautiful process. So, I'm encouraged to read God's word. I'm encouraged to study it alongside of you. I'm encouraged to preach it, and to be a part of. The study of God's word. Exodus chapter three will be our text tonight, and just kind of framework, we see that um, Moses is going to lead the people. That's where we'll get tonight. But God's people have grown. The the people of God have have uh, been in in Egypt now. Israel moved. Joseph was the deliverer for his family. God God took Joseph and placed him. Strategically in Egypt, and placed him in Pharaoh's presence, and and God used Joseph, and Joseph uh, was a man of God throughout his time, uh, though he was in a distant land, and and he was serving under people who did not know the God of the creation, that as as did Joseph, but God was uh, was large in Joseph's life, and. And Joseph had a truth, never forget that. Joseph had a truth that God gave him when he was 17 years old. God spoke into his life, he gave him a dream. Joseph held on to that truth. He held on to it from the pit all the way to the palace. He never let go of that truth. That truth is the same truth when God's Word comes alive in our life. We have a truth in our life. That we can hold on to. We've got something that's foundational. Though the world around us shake, rattle, and roll, and everything fall apart, and, and, and our lives are are in shambles at times in this world, when we have a truth that we can hold on to, it'll carry us through. And that's what happened to Joseph. He had a truth. He he was carried through. He he became the leader of um, second only to Pharaoh, and was able to provide for his fam- family, Israel. Jacob, named Israel, comes to Egypt with his family, and, and they settle in Goshen, that great land, and they begin to flourish under uh, that time, and, and for those years, all those years they flourished, and there arose a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. So Joseph lasted, the memory of Joseph lasted for quite a while, but there came about a day when there was a man named named in that position, the, the Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, and he did not remember Joseph he he didn't have any concern for Joseph or the god that Joseph served under so he uh he did away with uh, what they had done in provision for the Israelite people and now the Israelite people were a threat to him and we see the fear that is that he leads out from and instead of um letting them to continue to flourish he wants to stifle their growth and he wants to harness them And, uh, he makes things pretty rough on the Israelite people. So, that's kind of where we, we step into our text this, uh, this evening. And we've had this, uh, guy who's gonna be a leader rise up. I'll throw one more thing out there for you. You've read this, you know it, but just as a reminder that, uh, that Moses was born in a time when Pharaoh said, hey, these, these Egyptians, I mean, these Israelites are growing, they're gonna take over us, Egyptians. What we're going to do is we're going to kill every every born male child. That way we can stop this growth. And uh, Jochebed, who was Moses' uh, mother, and Amram, who was Moses' father, uh, saw the value of their kid, of course. And 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 I see value in life. You see value in life. Why? Because we're created in the very image of God. Genesis one twenty six twenty seven tells us. Let us make mankind in our own image, in the likeness of of us. We're going to create them, and and He created them both male and female, and and we see that. So the image of God is expressed in us, and that, that makes us valuable. Not because of what we do, uh, our our doings makes us less valuable, but whose image we're made in makes us valuable. And Moses is valuable, and and Moses is. Uh, is beautiful in the sight of his mother, and uh, every boy is beautiful in the sight of their mother. Amen. So uh, we, we see that, and um, Moses' mother, Jochebed, says, you know what, we're going to protect this kid. We're going we're to raise him, and she hid him as long as she could, and then when she couldn't hide him no more, she put him in a basket and set him in the Nile River, and along comes Pharaoh's daughter, and you know the story well. We've sang about Moses in the reeds, and so Moses is taken out of the water, and 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 lo and behold, his sister was standing there and said, "But there's a, there's you need me to fetch somebody there that could take care of this little kid for you." And 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 uh, Pharaoh's daughter says, "Certainly." So guess what? Jochebed gets the wages to take it now. How many mothers like to get paid to take care of their kid? You know what I mean? And uh, so here we got we've got Jochebed. She's hired by Pharaoh's daughter to to raise him and uh, to to nurse him. So um, Moses is grown now, and and he is. He's gone to Midian, and he's married a, a Levite priest's daughter, and he, uh, we find him here leading the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and that's where we'll pick up tonight in chapter three, and the text uh, tells us some things, so if you will stand with me, let's read God's word together. Moses, uh, we see it about Moses here in, in Exodus chapter three, beginning in verse one. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up? The Lord saw, and when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, "Moses, Moses!" And he said, "Here I am." Then he said, "Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground." So he said, so he said also. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them. From the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and Amorite and the Perizzite and Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the crowd, the sons of Israel have come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word, the privilege to come before you tonight. Thank you for the appointed time you've given us. I pray, God, that as uh, the word of God, your word is preached tonight, that the anointing would be upon me to share this message with the people whom you love. God, move in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'll glean truths from your scripture, and Lord, we will... Uh, be transformed in the way we think, the way we respond, the way we act and live our lives, God, in a way that is pleasing and appropriate before you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Titled the message tonight, Deliverance. There's no banjos. It's just, just the deliverance of God. Maybe I should have put that. Mike, Mike brought that point out cutting up with me the other day. And, uh, but the deliverance, we, that is the message that we have from scripture. We see that, that the God of creation, He is creator God, spectacular creator, He's supreme ruler, He's sovereign judge, and He's Lord and Savior. ...of the universe. We see that. We, we can grasp that in the first two chapters of Genesis, read through Genesis, and we see how God is a redeemer of people, how he, he takes care of people. He looked upon Israel. He, he made a covenant. He made a covenant with Abraham, made a covenant with Isaac, made a covenant with, with Jacob, and, and that covenant continues as a perpetual covenant to the generations that are after these guys. And he said, I've made a promise to you. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to put you in a place... I'm going to provide for you. So we've got a God who is very capable and very very faithful to his covenant. We have a people, you and I and them and then and and we have the we have the understanding that people fail at the covenants that we make with God, but God never fails at his covenant. God is a covenant keeper. God is a redeemer. When God says he's going to do something, God does it. He he doesn't fail. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't miss the mark. He doesn't swing and, and not hit a home run. Every time God says something, He does it. He delivers. And God is our deliverer. God delivered me from the life of sin. God delivers all who will call upon Him. He says, all that call upon my name shall be saved. So there's a, there's a deliverance that we see throughout all of Scripture, and we see it very clearly here. In the book of Exodus, so I thought it was worth going to and highlighting and and digging into a little bit because we we see a couple of things here about our deliverer. the deliverance comes from God. We, we get that right that the deliverance doesn't come from anybody other than God, but the deliverance comes from God for purpose there, there's a purpose for deliverance. See, these people, the Israelite nation, those that were of the of Israel, Jacob, who had been named Israel, his sons, and they had been very faithful and, and they had done what God told them to do. God said, go be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And they were in that process. God was blessing them. God was expressing himself through them. And there was a flourishing of these people. But Moses, we know, should have been dead. I mean, he really his life should have never got to this point. We we shouldn't be reading this story about him because there was one out there that wanted to destroy him. But God is the protector of His people. He 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 can always protect. He can bring through safe passage, and He does. And uh, Pharaoh wanted to kill him, but it didn't work out. And um, we see that that uh, Moses has is taken care of. And 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 I want you to I want you to see something here. Moses was raised. And, and from his adolescence, through uh, for a certain number of years, uh, he, he was raised as a kid. Now, we, we don't know how long he was raised with Jochebed. No, no scriptures revealed to us how many, how many years or how many months or how many days that Moses was with his mother. But I can tell you this, she nursed him. And, and and culturally speaking if we do the the study of the culture of that day we can come to an understanding that somewhere between 3 and 5 years the mother would have nursed the child during that time frame so that was kind of culturally what was done we don't know exactly how long it was before moses went to live with uh, his new home and, and his his new place of living, which would have been a very Egyptian culture in that home with Pharaoh and Pharaoh's daughter. But we know that there was a period of time that Moses was under the instruction of Jochebed, his mother, who was a believer. She was a Hebrew. She was a believer in God. She knew the oracles of God. She knew the Word of God. She, she knew the truths of God. I don't want you to miss this, church. Never ever, ever overlook the, the opportunity that we have to instill in the children that God places in our, in our homes and in our hearts and even in our church. It is very important for us to instill the truths of God's Word in their heart. There's never an age that is too young to begin to teach the Word of God. And so I, I'm grateful for a church that says, you know what, our children are valuable, My daughter and I were talking about this coming to to church tonight. We were talking, she, uh, I won't go into the whole story. Let me just retract. I'll just tell you, we were talking about this. We were talking about the value of children. We were talking about how children really matter. How uh, we, I love the fact, and she was talking about the fact that this church has invested in the maturing of children. That she she saw that. She saw how, I I just really value how throughout the ministry, Dad, you've you've been a part of seeing the value of children and instilling them. I said, well, you know, when, when we take the Word of God and we teach children, it makes a difference. It made a difference in Moses' life. It made such a difference in Moses' life that even though he was in Pharaoh's house, probably from the age of four or five on, he had learned enough about the God The Creator God, that the Hebrews worshipped, that when He was in a pagan culture and raised in a pagan environment, He had roots that went back to the Creator God, Yahweh. So He knew God. He he knew some things about God. So much so that when He got into uh, an adult state, He recognized right from wrong and He valued God. And God God had him positioned where he could use him. So I don't ever want us to overlook the importance of instilling truth in the youngest among us. It's always important for us to do that. Instill the truth, teach them, carry the truth to them. As a grandparent, great-grandparent, parent, or just a friend to people who have children, it's never too early to start speaking the truth of the glorious gospel into their hearts the intense struggle of the Israelite people became known to God. That that was the purpose. The purpose was there was people. That's the purpose. I, I was speaking with a group... Um, Friday night, uh, the staff gathered at my house, and, and, and we invited people who, who feel a vocational call to ministry to come and, and just sit at the table for a little bit and talk. And we had, I don't know, about 16 of us there, and uh, we, we talked about this. This is what I, I, I recognize. This is what God wanted me to share with them, what God wanted me to share with you, that their a purpose. There was a purpose, there, there was a pur- and people are always the purpose. God has a purpose The purpose is the people. God God cares about us. He, He raised us up. We're the crown of His creation. When He created everything in the world, could have created anything, and everything that He created, He created everything, and He looked upon us, mankind, and said, that is good, and that is the crown of my creation, and I'll value it. Above all else, and I'm going to make a, a difference through them. So, he, he saw us in that way. I, I can't understand that. I, I really can't go any deeper than that. But God values us so much so that of all the things he created that he could have impressed his image on, he impressed his image on us. It's a cool thing. Now, sin, sin marred that image and it really distorted that image so God says, I'm going to do what I can do and nobody else can do. I'm going to redeem that image in mankind. So there's a purpose. And, and mankind matters to God. And, and God looks down. He's not a long ways off. He's not, he's not moved off and forgotten about people. The Israelite nation matters to Him. And you say, well, what about the rest of the world? Well, the whole world mattered to God. Everybody in the world had a chance, an opportunity. They had the same truth and knowledge. I mean, we all go back to Noah, remember? There was an ark, Noah's ark. There was a man and his wife and three sons and their wives. There was eight people, and they all knew about God. Mo, uh, Noah was a man of God. And for 120 years, he preached to people the truth of God, and, and that they should, they should give their life to God. And guess what they but they didn't turn from their wickedness. So what did God do? He flooded the earth, and he wiped it out. So we cut we go to that. We we go back to Adam, I know, but we go back to Noah. Okay, we, we there was a stop off point there because Adam and Eve and all these people, and then Wash, okay, and then Noah and his his three sons, Shem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and and their wives. And here we go again. We'll start over, and um, we we see that. God wasn't a long ways off, distance from His people. He didn't, it wasn't that He didn't care about people. He loved people. But the, the ites we read about, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the, the Jebusites, all those ites that were in the Bible that we read about that were inhabiting the land that God had promised that He was going to give to His people, Th- those people had rejected God. Don't miss that. They had completely rejected and defied God. They didn't want God in their life. I mean, we see that throughout the Bible. We see nations that are formed that, that reject God and, and just completely disassociate themselves from the power and the presence of God. And that's what's happened. But God says, no, I'm going to keep a people. I'm going to, there's a people. It's the smallest of nations. It's the Israelite nation. I've made a covenant with Abraham, and I'm good for my covenant. And that covenant goes to Isaac, and I'm good for my covenant. And that covenant goes to Jacob, and I'm good for my covenant. And that covenant goes to his people, and I'm good for my covenant. So I'm gonna carry my covenant through, and the Israelites are now in Egypt, and there's a people, and there's a purpose. The people are the purpose, cause the cry of those people comes up to God. They're struggling. They're struggling greatly. I mean, we, we read about it. They, they're they not only having to make bricks, they're having to go get their own straw for their bricks. I mean, they've got everything that could be loaded on them, loaded on them. And, and the reason they were so loaded down was because the Egyptians were fearful because they were growing stronger and stronger, and they wanted to destroy them. And uh, the more they pushed on them, the more they, they prospered, the, more they, the, the better off they did. Now, in this, in this time frame, we see that God's working through this people. God was aware of their situation. He knew what was going on. They, they, uh, they came to the point that they needed God in their life. And they cried out. The cry of the people is what rose to God. I wouldn't want you to miss that. God God hears your cry. God hears you when you're in struggle. When you're when you're in trial, when you're in turmoil, when things are difficult in your life. I want you to recognize God hears your cry. God knows what you're going through. He he intimately knows what you're going through. He loves you and he is he's right there with you and he hears the cry of the Israelite people. And it draws him to come do something about it. There's a purpose. The purpose is his people were in bondage. They, they, were, they were hurting. They, they needed help. And I want you to imagine, just for a minute with me, if God would have sent a Redeemer before this moment when they didn't think they needed one. It wouldn't have worked out well. You see, God's timing. God's a God of impeccable timing. He is so precise. You may think God's forgotten about you in your moment or in your in your misery. You may feel like, why, why ain't God showing up? Why ain't God doing what I want God to do when I want God to do it? And there's a reason. Because His timing is perfect. Could have redeemed them. I mean, they've been there for a long time, right? How many years they've been there? 400 years. It's a long time. You're going to see a theme. Of, there's a couple 400s that come around, okay, in the Bible. They've been there 400 years. Th- things have not been great for them for a long time. So they, they were struggling and intensifying in their struggle. But God didn't send the Redeemer to them to redeem them from their situation until the appropriate time. You've got to hold on to this thought for a couple of weeks, okay? It's really impressing me right now to think about this because God sent the Redeemer, Moses. He's going to work the redemption through Moses at this time, precisely at this time when they recognize they need one. You fast forward a little bit, they didn't remember they needed one for long. What would have it been like if they didn't really ever think they needed one? It was bad enough for Moses when they were in the wilderness. They were like, you brought us all the way out here, boy, to kill us? I mean, what were you thinking? We had meat there. We had water there. We're dying out here. Good thing they needed a Redeemer. God heard their cry. And He he came to them. and, And God spoke to Moses in the wilderness. See, God used a bush to speak to Moses in the wilderness. He he, he used this bush to get Moses' attention. God uses things in our life. There are, all the resources of this earth and above this earth and below this earth are at God's disposal. Okay, There is nothing that we can even know about that is not at God's disposal. God can use whatever he needs. to. He uses this bush to get Moses' attention. Now, you and I might say, boy, if I just had me a burning bush experience. You wouldn't do no better. I'm just being honest. If, if God sent you an email every day, you'd still mess it up, okay? I know I would. I'd forget to click open. You know what I mean? I'd forget to read the email. I'd, I'd forget what it said or something. I, I, I'm, we think if we had a burning bush experience like Moses, we'd have got it right. Moses didn't get it right. He had a burning bush experience, okay? We see that. And, and we see it as we read into chapter 4. This, this dude, he's like... No, God, you got the wrong guy. I know that bush is burning and it's not being consumed, but I'm not the right guy here. You you see what I'm saying? Moses made a decision, though, when he saw that burning bush. This is so foundational. Moses made a decision to turn aside. God wants us to turn aside. You and I live in the busyness of, and the routine of our life. We really do. And, and that's what Moses was in. Moses was in the routine of his life. He was walking through the wilderness. He was leading Jethro's flock. He was just doing his daily deal. He was just going about his daily routine. And, and God causes something to happen that makes him turn aside. But he turns aside. And, and he's, God's got his attention. He's, he's drawn him in. God's used this bush. And, and Moses turns aside. He, he shows the value of seeking to understand what's really happening. Because that's what Moses wants. He says, I, I see that bush. It's burning, but it's not being consumed. i got to turn around. i got to see this marvelous event that is occurring right before my eyes. There are some marvelous events that occur. And I am, I am just convinced that we live in such a fast-paced world that things are going on, we get so caught up in the routine, we get so caught up in our humdrum and woe is me at times and and struggles and and, and troubles of life, that we miss the marvelous work of God. I, I think we, we're, we're just bad at that. I, I think we miss it. I live my life, I know we're not supposed to live in the background looking back all the time and, and thinking about the past. We talked about that, Andrew and I did this, this morning with our, Andrew talked about it in our small group. I was there participating and listening and I understand that. I mean, the, the Bible says no one who, I mean, put their hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. I learn a lot, though, from history. I learn a lot from my past experiences. And I told you about a past experience this morning. I, I shared with you one of those heart moments where God said, Here, boy, let me show you something that will be foundational and carry you for the rest of your life. It will always define something for you. And I've got several of those, and I hope you do as well. But, but in that, I, I learn a lot looking back and, and thinking over what God's done. A lot of times I don't get it, though, when it's happening. I miss it in the moment, and i, I got to catch it a little bit later. Am I the only one in the room that does that and kind of misses it in the moment and have to catch it on the, the, the second look around? But I see that God's doing something. Moses sees that God's doing something. He's turned aside. He says, let me turn aside and see this marvelous thing that's occurring right before me. That which God does is always marvelous. God's always doing something marvelous. And thankfully Moses was sensitive enough to see the marvelous work. So he turns aside. And and what does this say to us? God is wanting us to turn aside. God is wanting Moses to turn aside. He wants us to turn aside. And, and he wants us to notice what's going on. Moses here, when, when the Lord saw that, verse 4, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Boy, that had to be startling. In the middle of the wilderness. Don't miss this. Now, In the middle of the wilderness with, a, with some animals and the wind. Nobody else. All alone. Might not have seen anybody for weeks. And all of a sudden, he doesn't hear somebody talking, just general conversation. He hears his name called Moses, Moses. And he responds Here am I. I'm here. Me? You talking to me? Now, I, I, I want to just grasp that for a moment. You got it? Moses in the wilderness. Animals all standing around. Moses turned aside. Moses he hears his name. Moses, Moses. I'm here. You got my attention. Fast forward a little bit. He goes back to it. De- goes back to town. He walks into town in Egypt. And he says, "Hey, hey boys, hey girls, listen here. There was a bush that said my name, and I got to tell you something. Now he is a quack now, right? He is a kook." Nobody's going to follow him, right? <laughs> so you, just putting it all together, I'm jumping forwards and backwards. I just want us to walk through this. But here Moses, he says, he responds to God. God's called him, and he responds to God. He says, here I am. Verse 5, then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. I grasp something from that when I read it. And what I grasp from that is that the God, the creator God of the universe, who is speaking to his servant Moses, who has been preserved in his life and raised to this moment to, to leap into an activity that will serve as a redeemer for the Israelite people, God puts limits on him. God places boundaries in his life. Don't come any closer. Stay right there. Take your sandals off. You're standing on holy ground. A lot of times in our life, we don't like boundaries. We don't like, we don't like limits. We don't like rules. We see, though, God, as I said, he's spectacular creator. And since he's the spectacular creator, he can be the supreme ruler because he created it so he can tell it what to do. So he rightly tells Moses, hey, there's a limit here. There's a line. Don't cross it. And, and I need limits in my life. And you need limits in your life. And we need to listen to those limits. Not because God doesn't want us to be, be with him. It's that God wants us to understand there's boundaries in life. And he establishes a boundary here for Moses. He lays it out very clearly. He puts that limit there. And then he makes it very clear, crystal clear, who he is. He says in verse 6, he said, Also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. See, he didn't realize what he was dealing with until this moment. But at that, at that moment, that very moment, he recognized he was in the presence, not of a, a burning bush alone. I mean, though, though that was marvelous, it was not being consumed, and, but, and it was speaking to him, that was amazing. But now he realizes that he is in the presence of the Almighty God. And he hid his face. Notice the reverence that we see in Moses at this moment. How reverent he is towards, one, the place and to the person of God. He's reverent. There should be a reverence in our heart. There should be one, a longing to turn aside and see the marvelous. And then when we hear God call our name and we recognize that the God of the universe is calling to us, there should be a reverence that rises within us. As we communicate with God. Now back to the point, God. God provided deliverance for a purpose. The, as I said, the Egyptians were dealing un, unjustly with the Israelites, and the Israelites were were big, and but they were too small to fight their own battles. As is the case with us, God is very large, and I'm very small. Though we can come together, we're very limited. God fights our battles, so God. God's getting ready to fight the battle for. The Egyptians, I mean, for the Israelites, he knows he knows their suffering, and God offered redemption for people who suffered. God, that's 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 so key for me. God offered redemption for people who were suffering. He redeems them, and we see that the, the deliverance not only did it come for a purpose. The deliverance came from God for a people. I talked about that briefly. I I just want to. I want to recap that. The covenant began with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He just talked about that in verse 6. Said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people in Egypt and uh, have given heed to their cry because of taskmasters, uh, taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land, to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, he, he tells them, I, I've come for my people. I've come to redeem my people. I've come to fulfill that covenant promise that I made, that I would carry these them to a place. You know, when when uh, Abraham was standing there, and he was standing in the midst of this land, God said, I'm going to give you this land, and I'm going to give it to your people, and your people after you, Isaac heard, this is your land. This is the land I'm going to give Jacob is, is, is laying there on a rock, and he wakes up and recognizes that the mouth of the gateway, if you will, to heaven. And God tells Jacob, I'm going to give you this land. And now God's saying, you know what? You, you're in the wrong land. You've been there. It's been a place that I sent you for provision, but you've been there 400 years. You're now understanding what bondage is all about. You've been in bondage. You're you're enslaved. Can I tell you this? Every one of us, for salvation to come to us, has to recognize that we're in bondage. Apart from God, we are living in bondage. And we're in bondage to sin. We're in bondage to ourselves, to the ways of this world. And and God says, I'm going to deliver you from that, and I'm going to carry you to what I've got for you. he's telling them, I've got a place, it's a land, it's a a great land, it's a spacious land, it's big. And it's it's flowing with milk and honey. It's the best of the places that around this world is the best of the best of the best. And the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites, they're living there, but I'm going to get them out. You're going to be there. You follow me, you do what I tell you to do. And I'm going to provide this for you. I've got some boundaries that you've got to respect in this, in this life, in this journey. But I'm going to carry you because I'm faithful to the covenant that I made with you. So that's what God's telling me. He says there's a people. There's, there's these people that God is so concerned about. And um, they're, they're, there's still a great concern on the heart of God for His people. He loves us. He cares about us. He wants the very best for us. He doesn't want us to live in bondage. He doesn't want us to to, to feel the oppression uh, and the suppression of of all these pressures. He he wants us to live in freedom. But we we have to recognize that He is the provider for that. That He's the only source of true freedom. You're, You're not free if you're not living with God. You're in bondage apart from living with God. God's offered us deliverance. He wants to redeem us. He wants to bring us out of bondage and into a great place. And that place is with Him. The deliverance of God came for a purpose. It came to a people. And it came through a person. We see that He tells Moses in this text verse 10 he says therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people the sons of Israel out of Egypt that, that's, that's, that's it right there there's, there's a person that God is going to use God is going to use a person to be the deliverer of his people and and that person is Moses and uh, Just love the way Moses responds. Moses is like, "Uh uh-oh, no, God, not me. It says in verse 11, but Moses said to God, Who am I, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you. This is God speaking. He says, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you. Uh, that it is I who have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. And Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? See, that's where Moses was like, God, I just can't go to them and say, Man, I saw a bush and it said my name. I have a little bit more. it's logical okay it really is logical he's like God I get get it but I don't get it I don't I don't see how these hundreds of thousands of people are going to follow me I mean you got to remember now I killed that guy back there and my people found out about it and I fled from Pharaoh because he wanted to kill me and you want me to go back and, and some kind, somehow or another, in some shape, form, or fashion persuade hundreds of thousands of people to follow me because I heard a bush talk. What, what am I going to tell them? God said to Moses, verse 14, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. See, we have a name. This name. Yahweh. What a name. Yahweh. He says, I am who I am. The the, the name means to be. That God is the one who has always been. He is the self existent God. It basically means someone who is. Yahweh is used 6,000 times in the Old Testament, three times more than the general name Elohim. He is, he is, it is his name, Yahweh. We see that here, and God's saying, You just go tell him, Yahweh sent you. I am who I am. That's my name. God furthermore said, verse 15, to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed controlled. I'm indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will pay heed to what you say. See, there's the assurance that God is in control. Because the same God that can light up a bush and it not be consumed and, and speak from that bush and draw a line in the sand and say, Don't come any closer. Take off your feet. Uh, take off your sandals off your feet because you're standing on holy ground. And, and Moses, get it and, and reverence God. The same God that can do that is the same God that can persuade these elders of the Israelite nation to recognize that God sent him. And, and especially when he says, I am. Who I am sent me here. And he says that that is his name. He has sent me to you. And and God says basically what God says, I'm going to work all this out for you. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us, God says. So now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness. And may we sacrifice to the Lord, our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion, so I will stretch out my hand to strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. After that, he will let you go. I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed, but every woman shall ask her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, And you will put them on your sons and daughters, thus you will plunder the Egyptians. Moses goes on to tell God, there's absolutely no way I can talk. I'm a man of slow speech. And God looks at him and says, man, I gave you speech. I'm the one that afforded you the opportunity to produce speech. Don't tell me about your limitations. Church, I want you to understand something here. God doesn't raise us up because of our abilities. God raises us up through His ability. You're limited. Everybody's got limitations, but we have a God who has no limitations. And He is willing to work in you over your limitations and over your inability to to prove and to show His ability. I, I'm telling you, I, I preach a lot of times, I'm like... That was God. I mean, I, I, That was, I don't even know how it came together. I, I, I can't, I, that was amazing. And, and I'm not tooting a horn. I'm just saying, go God. Because He uses, I've, I've had people come to me and say, the very thing you said right here made a difference in my life. Led me to give my life to Jesus. I'm like, I didn't even have that in my notes. Now, that was one of them things. Ben, that was one of them things, you know, Jack, that was just one of them things that just came out. That that that's because God said say this right now, and and that's what God's saying. I don't I don't need your ability. God saying I don't need you, and your ability. I need your availability. I need you to say yes, God. I'll do this for you, and and Moses has a thousand excuses, and and God says, well just. Throw that that staff down you got there, and it becomes a snake. And that is not a license to play with snakes, okay? I'm just telling you. That's wicked. So, uh, anyhow, I'm not playing with a snake. But unless God told me to throw my staff down and pick it back up, but he did. And then he says, take your hand and, you know, put it in your bosom and pull it back out. It's lepers. Put it back in. Pull it out, and it's clean, perfectly white. And if that doesn't work, go get some water out of the Nile and pour it on the ground and turn to blood. He said, those three things will work for you. So Moses goes with Aaron, and he shows them all the signs, and and they believe him. And they believe him. So we see that there's a purpose, there's a people, and there's a person. Fast forward, there's a purpose. God works in our life because he wants to redeem us, because we're broken without him. We're broken without God. We're, we're busted, we're disgusted, we're miserable without God. There's a purpose that He sent a Redeemer. There's a people, there's us. There's the people of this world. Every, we see in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, every, every nation, every, every language group, every people from every tongue, every tribe, myriads upon myriads, more than you and I could ever begin to count will be standing at the throne of God, worshiping Him. There's a a purpose. Ultimately, it leads to worship. There's a people that's all around the world of all time. And there's a person that is a Redeemer, visibly seen through Moses in this display, physically seen and spiritually seen in Christ, God's own Son, comes to this earth to redeem us. Do you see that? There's a purpose. There's a people. And there's a person of deliverance. Where are you at? Do you, do you know that God is calling you to fulfill a purpose among a people? Are you the person God wants to use at this time to be the hands and feet of himself. I'll tell you, I love the book of Exodus. It's a great book. We just read Job. What a great book that is. I think we got 66 great books, right? Praise God for 66 amazing books. As we walk through them this year, let them speak to your heart. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you that there's a purpose, that we have purpose, that you have a purpose for us, that that we are your people and and Thank you, Jesus, for being the person that redeems. Moving our hearts tonight. Help us to take the good news of the gospel, the, 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 the display we see in the Old Testament of, of physically Moses working this out and, and, Lord, how he turned aside and was faithful to do what you called him to do. Even though he had limitations and he was very, very clear in announcing those, ultimately, Lord, he served you. Lord, help us to learn from that and serve you as well. Moving our hearts this week. Use us for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome night.